0: Welcome and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Thank you, Curtis and worship team. Little plug that is off Curtis's album called Him Like. Come on, check it out. Spotify, iTunes. He didn't ask me to do that. It's a whole album of hymns that he's reworked, his beautiful work, Curtis Parks is his name, good friend of mine. Uh, This upcoming week, my wife and I will celebrate 14 years of marriage, and we are excited about that. Some of you guys, like my kids, are thinking, you're so old. Others of you are thinking, you guys are just babies, barely getting started. Whatever you think of that, I wanna tell you a little bit about our engagement story to help set up the message today. We had been dating for a little while, it was about 15 years ago, and at this point, we knew we were gonna get married. I knew I was gonna marry her since our first date. And I told her on our second date I was gonna marry her, and she said, don't ever say that again. And so I waited a little while until she was ready. A few months later, we knew we were gonna get married. And so we already had the ring, and we had this big date night, Philadelphia Museum of Art, Maggiano's, the, uh, November in Pennsylvania. So it was a little cold, but it was beautiful. And I had the ring in my suit pocket, dressed up, suit and tie. I put it in a little baggie. You know, there's terror that you're going to lose that thing. And I was like, it's there. I kept on feeling for it. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I figured the perfect moment will present itself throughout the course of the night, and I will seize it. And the first moment that came was we were on the steps, which are the Rocky steps, the ones, the ones he climbed up and celebrated at the top in the Rocky movie are at the Philadelphia Museum of Art right there. And we, we weren't there. It was gorgeous, and it was a great moment. And something about the realness of it hit me, and I just got terrified to actually do it. Now, it wasn't that I was scared to marry her. I was resolved in my direction Uh, and the one that I wanted to marry. But something about the act of actually getting on the knee and saying those three words started to kind of paralyze me with a bit of fear. And I didn't do it, I let the moment pass by. And later on in the date, it was gorgeous, it was sunset. We were like on a second floor in the museum overlooking downtown Philadelphia. And I was like, if there was ever a moment for a proposal, this is it, and she knows it's coming. So she's gotta be thinking, this is it. And I just, in my head was like, do it, do it, do it, do it, oh, I'm so nervous. And the moment passed me by, I did not do it. True story. I just, I just, I was scared. And lo and behold, the entire date night goes by and we are now driving home. It's about a two hour ride back to uh, my house and where she was staying. And she's thinking, she told me this after the fact, I cannot believe he has not proposed yet. This was the night. He better have something incredible planned I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, give me an idea, help me overcome this, what is wrong with me? I blew the whole night. Thankfully, on the ride I remembered there was this lake in the neighborhood right next to my parents' neighborhood where I had once pulled over a few years before that, before I even knew Jessica, there was kind of a light snowfall, it was a beautiful evening and like a lot of young men in their 20s, I was wanting a wife and I pulled over and I prayed for my future wife at this lakeside in the snow and I said, oh, I'll take her to the lakeside and I'll tell her that story. So I took her, I told her the story. I prayed for my future wife here. We put on her favorite Nora Jones song. And uh, in full, my, my kids told me they really wanted me to share this part. This is big time, too much information, but we had been on a long ride, so I really had to use the bathroom. There was no bathroom in sight. There was only woods around the lake. So I had to take care of business in the woods real quick. And then I came back to the moment and I said, darling, my kids will never let me live that down. I said, darling, let's stand outside. It was kind of cold outside. Nora Jones is playing. It's the moonlight. It's the lakeside. And, I, and, I, and I'm kind of hugging her because it's freezing cold. And once again, I was like terrified. <laughs> I'm just, we probably sat there. It felt like 10 minutes. It was probably like 45 seconds. She's got to be thinking, get on with the show. Finally, I kneeled down and it was it like on rocks. And I kneeled on these rocks on my knee and I... I I popped the question, will you marry me? Thankfully, she still said yes after all the delay. What really struck me though is that even though it's just a few words, will you marry me, they mean so incredibly much and there's something about the significance of that moment and just those few words that the weight of it was just so impacting that sometimes it's difficult to say. It was like that the first time I told her, I love you as well. And sometimes... The most meaningful things in life can be expressed in the fewest words. In fact, you might remember uh, some of the loved ones or family members in your life, or perhaps a teacher or a coach uh, that first said, Hey, I'm proud of you just for giving your best effort, or I love you just for being you. Or maybe a time where you were really struggling in your life and maybe felt like you were failing at something, someone that really had a significant voice in your life said, I'm proud of you. And it's just, Few little words that have such incredible weight. And I'm gonna do something I've never done today as far as I can remember, and I'm gonna preach a whole sermon on just five words. And these five words are the first half of the first verse of Psalm 23. And I just wanna submit to you that these few words, if they could get in your gut and in a deeper way, no matter how many times you've heard them, can still be transformative in your life. And I'm so grateful for a multi-generational church where we have men and women here who have served the Lord for decades that will tell me that they still find incredibly powerful new meaning in scriptures that they have read thousands of times when they're in their 70s and 80s. So don't turn off uh, whatever God wants to do in your heart today just because you've heard this text a hundred times. Here's what it is. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't do this a lot, but let's say it together out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. That is Psalm 23, 1a. The a just means it's only the first half of verse one. You could meditate on this verse for a lifetime and not get out everything that is there. I believe that if God speaks this to you in a deeper way today, it could be transformative and change once again the trajectory of your life. A little bit of context for Psalm 23. It is without a doubt the most known chapter in the entire Bible in culture. It's of course been quoted at millions of funerals and it's been shared with many people who are grieving, but it's not just for seasons of life when we're mourning or going through challenges. It is for all of life. The whole chapter is only six verses, and we're gonna spend the next few weeks just in these six verses. King David wrote this chapter under the inspiration of the Lord. And he starts out by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And it's fascinating. The reason David understood shepherding is because he was the shepherd of his father's sheep when he was just a teenager. So this psalm, interestingly, is written from the perspective of a sheep, which David understood because he took care of sheep. And God has inspired this word to us. In fact, we are compared to sheep more than 200 times in the Bible. So there's something very meaningful about this metaphor for us to understand our relationship with God. So let's look at three characteristics of sheep, just to get started. Now, for the kids in the room, I'm gonna say a word here that your parents might not let you say. Just know that we're doing it in the context of the sheep. The most universally understood thing about sheep from every shepherd is that sheep are stupid. It's true. Kids, you can't call each other stupid, but sheep are stupid. Here's, here's what a good parent would say. You aren't stupid, but sometimes you do stupid things. <laughs> sheep are actually stupid. I had a shepherd friend when I was in college who lived in England for a number of years and was a, he was literally a farm boy in England. And I was researching this text a couple of years ago and I called him to talk through what it was like for him to be a shepherd. And he said this sheep are terrible to work with, they are literally the dumbest creatures on the planet. A sheep's greatest ambition in life is to wake up dead. If there is a piece of barbed wire in a field, they will find it. They will all follow each other to the danger. Any opportunity to end up dead and they will take it. Sheep need intense shepherding and are really frustrating to work with. Cows, you can train along with many other animals. They can be easy to work with and they're very habitual, but not sheep there may be nine to 12 acres of good grass with plenty of water to drink. But if there is one small gap in the fence with red clover, which is a poisonous plant for sheep, on the other side, they will file one by one through the hole in the fence to get away from the green pasture and eat the poisonous plant because their ambition is to wake up dead. Of all farm animals, it's interesting how the Lord picked sheep to liken us to. He could have picked cows or camels, but the use of sheep over 200 times in the inspired word of God is not accidental. Now, I personally am not offended at all that God has compared me to a stupid sheep because I've come to know myself and I do a lot of stupid things. Can we be honest in the house of God and raise our hands? Who here does a lot of stupid things? I bet you just this week, you can think back to a time where you might've said something in anger or you just slipped and you thought to yourself, why in the world did I say that? Or maybe you did something, perhaps even this morning, and your first thought was, I can't believe I'm still wrestling with that. Why did I do that? Perhaps it's just a thought you have. Us as humans are so incredibly capable of running away from the green pasture and safety just to find the thing that will actually kill and destroy us to the point that we will sometimes lie and steal and in the really bad cases, kill to get over here to what will poison us. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? We do stupid things. Now this actually greatly encourages me because it reminds me once again Yes, I'm stupid, but you're all stupid too. <laughs> like we're in this together. What a great thing to just settle into. Sheep are entirely dependent on their shepherd. And it's so wonderful that we have a very good shepherd. Number two, sheep are dirty. Dr. Steve Ferrar in studying this context, said rainfall is very rare in the Middle East. It's easy for pasture to get overgrazed and go from green to brown, so a lot of desert. The dirt then gets caught up in the wool of the sheep, and the dust and the dirt accumulates from day to day, from week to week, from month to month. It's actually known that they get so filthy that maggots just live in their coats. And here's the thing that every shepherd knows about sheep. There's nothing a sheep can do to make themselves clean. They're powerless to clean themselves. Dr. Farrar goes on to say, sometimes I, like a sheep, get very dirty. I have dirty thoughts or I have dirty responses to loved ones. What can we do with our dirtiness? And in here comes the gospel, the good news, the good shepherd who is the cleaner of the sheep. Dr. Farrar goes on to say, yes, you've been delivered from sin, but it's still there and has to be dealt with daily. Paul talks about this in Romans 7. The apostle Paul, the great church planter, the one who wrote more books of the New Testament than anybody else, said, why do I do what I don't want to do? And how come I'm not doing what I know I should do? He's wrestling. He gets so deep in the wrestling that he says, who will save me from this wretched Body, who will save me? What wretched man I am. Thanks be to this great savior. He eventually moves to Romans 8, which is the opening line, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it's such a great thing to recognize, I am a dirty sheep. Let's say it together. I am a dirty sheep, but you have a really good shepherd who has cleaned you and made you white as snow in Christ. That deserves a better amen. No one is talking to me. Why are you so quiet today? You have a very good shepherd that when you could not clean yourself and you were filled with maggots and dirt that was built up for months and years, said, I will make you completely clean. So sheep are dirty, but we have a great shepherd. Number three, sheep are defenseless. A lot of other animals have some kind of built-in defense mechanism. Of course, skunks have their deal. Even bugs like wasps and bees can sting. Some animals can change colors. This is a, a, not a fun mental image, but it's known that ravens and crows can sometimes swoop down and actually pluck eyeballs out of sheep. That's how defenseless sheep are. So the idea of understanding that sheep are defenseless is this, a sheep better have a shepherd who can look over them 24 7 so once again, we as sheep find ourselves actually, apart from the Lord, defenseless, but have a shepherd who will look over us 24 seven. As parents and as grandparents, sometimes we worry about these kids and grandkids and we wonder who's gonna look over them. They seem like sheep going out to the slaughter out into the world and we can't completely look over them. We can do our best, we can love them, we can be a covering for them, we can, we can try, but the good shepherd will look over them 24-7. We have a very good shepherd. What's amazing about this shepherd is, and let me, let me just move away from talking about the Lord again, just a shepherd in general, is the shepherd, when caring for the sheep, assumes total responsibility for the well-being of his sheep. The sheep do not know how to care for themselves because they're so susceptible to wolves and lions and bears and have no defense So the sheep desperately need a shepherd. And number four, the primary responsibility of the sheep is to follow the voice of the shepherd. The sheep can't be wise by itself, it's stupid. The sheep can't be clean by itself, it's dirty. The sheep can't defend itself by itself, it has no defenses. What can the sheep do? Listen and follow the voice of the shepherd. And listen to what Jesus said about himself in John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. We all have to deal with the question in our lives of how we will live, how we will make decisions. What is the strategy for how to approach this mess of life? And I empathize with those that are coming up as kids right now. You know, my my children and some of the young people in here are being raised in the 20s. But it's not the 20s that we normally think of, like the roaring 20s of the 1900s. It's the 2020s, and it's going to be an incredible decade. And we're so thankful for these kids. But they are facing an amount of possibilities and options and information and voices far beyond what any of us faced that didn't grow up with this technology so many people trying to tell you how to make choices here's the best strategy here's how to do the business here's how to do the education here's all the things you got to do in the decade of the 20s the 30s the 40s the 50s all of these voices coming at us all the time what is our strategy same with our church God is doing a beautiful thing at Graceland Church. We're we're preparing very intentionally for the growth we believe. I mean, he's bringing growth through the summer too, but that we are believing God is bringing this fall as everyone kind of comes back together and going into 2022. But what is our strategy for how to make decisions? How do we think through this? And let me just say it this way. When it comes to your life, your career, your relationships, when it comes to this church, make your primary strategy listening to the voice of your shepherd done. Yes, seek counsel. Yes, do your best. Yes, get an education. But be careful because we can so quickly slip into actually believing all the other voices that we hear that are actually just what? Fellow stupid sheep. Like imagine being a sheep among the other sheep and being like, you know what? That sheep has it going on. That sheep, they only have like 54 maggots. The rest of us have hundreds. How did they do that? Let's listen to whatever that sheep says. Well, guess what? It's fine to learn from others, obviously, but that sheep is still a stupid sheep that has no actual real wisdom, no actual power, no actual ability to to see beyond, to see the bigger picture. It's only the shepherd. So let me just encourage you. And I, I I feel the desire to plead with you to make your strategy in life listening to the voice of your shepherd. And let's just talk about how amazing this shepherd is. Because if you study the text, when it says the Lord is my shepherd, Lord is spelled with a big L and then a smaller, but still capital O-R-D. And anytime you see Lord written like that, in Hebrew, it's talking about Yahweh, which Yahweh is the word for God when he says, I am that I am. He is the self-existent God, all sufficient in and of himself with need of nothing else. And he is sufficient to meet all of our needs. He is never changing. He is the steady anchor of our lives. And Yahweh is your shepherd. We could just go home right now. Yahweh is my shepherd. And I bet if you reflect on your life, you can see evidence of your shepherd, Yahweh, before you even knew him. You can see evidence of his care. You can see evidence of his protection. You can see evidence of his provision. You can see evidence of his guidance. If Yahweh is your shepherd, why do you need to run to any other voices? Why do you need to find significance in any other place? When will you begin to learn that you don't need to leave the green pasture and go eat the poisonous plant? Yahweh will keep you in the green pasture that in fact, he has you in right now. And then it's so personalized. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, I do a lot of counseling with people and I also have a lot of pastor friends and friends in business and in a lot of creative industries. And one of the most common complaints, I would say, that I hear is, I just need a mentor. I just need someone to guide me. I'm so desperate for understanding. I need wisdom for how to approach my life. I need to see better. I need power. I need deliverance. I need hope. I need understanding, and I need encouragement. Encouragement. And while it's good to have mentors and therapists and spiritual directors, I'm so all for that stuff. It's good to have pastors like myself and our team here in your life. And that's all very biblical, but guess what? Yahweh is your guide. Yahweh is your power. Yahweh is your encouragement. Look to Yahweh, look to him. Hold to the promise that you personally can say, are my shepherd, Lord. I love that. It's also interesting, one scholar said, it's possible to know the Lord in the sense of salvation, but to not really know him in intimate fellowship. And I think we see a lot of that Sometimes in our context, a Bible belty area, and there's a bit of a Christian subculture here, there's a good amount of people that would name the name of Jesus and maybe even name a church, maybe even name a Bible study or or something that they're a part of. Uh, But at the end of the day, calling on Christ as savior is good and beautiful and, and you should do that. But actually walking closely with your shepherd in intimacy is a different thing. It's kind of like how my wife and I, we don't live near our biological family. Both of our biological families live up in Pennsylvania, a good distance away. And that biological connection is great, but that alone does not sustain our relationship. I actually take upon myself the responsibility to call my parents quite a bit. I've told you this. I call my younger siblings quite a bit. With my siblings, I feel this as their older brother. I don't wanna just be, absent from their life. So it's on me to stay connected to their life because the biological connection is not enough. I wanna be in active, intimate relationship with them. And as my parents get older, I wanna be able to love and care for them and know their stories and what they're thinking about, thinking about, dreaming about, worried about. But it takes the connection. And it's the same with the Lord. You can name him as savior and, and bear with me, be like biologically connected by the blood of Jesus. Praise God, thank you, Lord, good thing. But if you don't, walk closely with your shepherd, you won't be intimately involved with him. David is speaking from a place of intimacy with the Lord. The Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. And if you think about what the good shepherd Jesus ultimately did, he came, he lived, he taught, and then he died. And, and the, the truest Demonstration of love is to lay down your life for another. And the good shepherd, scripture teaches us, laid down his life for the stupid sheep, the filthy sheep, the defenseless sheep. Then he overcame death in the grave, raised to life again. And then he said, I'm gonna ascend back to the father, but I'm gonna send to you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And today we're remembering the day of Pentecost. Pentecost when that promise that Jesus gave to his early disciples was fulfilled. If you look at Old Testament, the Holy Spirit could come upon people, could do things, could show up in someone's life. In the New Testament, the new covenant, the age of grace that we are in, the Holy Spirit literally infills us. Scripture talks about being baptized in the Holy Spirit for power to be a witness, for power to live in the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We ought to be seeing those things in increasing measures in our life. And I've been thinking about this. The fruit of the spirit is not just meant for how we treat others. The fruit of the spirit is meant for how you treat yourself. Are you being more gentle with yourself? Are you being patient? Are you being kind? I full heartedly believe that evidence of walking more closely with the spirit of God is more gentleness with yourself because it's more understanding that this whole gospel is all about the great shepherd and us just saying yes to it. So I'm praying for just a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our church family today. Are you with me? And when we think about being guided by the shepherd, we have to think about the whole Trinity. The Trinity means God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one equally God, but yet three distinct parts. Jesus said, I send the Holy Spirit to guide you, to direct you, to comfort you, to teach you all things. So in a very real sense, the way Jesus is shepherding us is through the Holy Spirit. And in a very real sense, when we are following our shepherd, we can say, God, my father, thank you for calling me your beloved daughter or son. Thank you for making way for me. Jesus, the son, the king of kings. My big brother, thank you for for laying down your life. You know, Adam was the first man and failed. Jesus was the second Adam, the fulfillment of the plan for mankind. Thank you, Jesus, king of kings and Lord of lords. Holy Spirit, thank you for guiding my steps and filling me with all truth. Thank you for comforting me when I suffer. Thank you for being my shepherd. Altogether, Yahweh, thank you for leading me on. Yahweh, thank you for being my shepherd. This is good news. Are you guys with me? As the band comes, I wanna share one last story and then we're gonna sing that song again, you are my champion, because our shepherd is our champion. You know, when sheep would gather at a water basin in the Middle East, there would be sheep from lots of different shepherds. So all of a sudden there's multiple shepherds hanging out and then tons of sheep just all mixed up, drinking from the same water because there wasn't that much water available. And any shepherd you talk to will say, in order to leave that water basin, all the shepherd has to do is say, hey, my sheep, come on with me. Come on with me, my sheep. If I was a shepherd, I don't know what my, Nathan the shepherd is leaving. Come on, sheep. And all of my sheep would immediately get up and come with me because they know and recognize my voice. That's the one thing. Again, that's the one thing the sheep has going for them. That's all you got, my friends. What a great thing to be able to say, man, I'm stupid, man, I'm dirty, man, I'm defenseless, but man, I have a great shepherd. I have a shepherd that is Yahweh. I have a shepherd that is with me. I have a shepherd that loves me. I have a shepherd that lays down his life for me. And we in this world, we're like all the sheep gathered at the water basin. And let me just encourage you. We need to understand that sometimes our shepherd will say, hey, come on with me now. Like we're not just running with the crowd of all the people. We're following the voice of the King. Let's stand together. Lord, help us to be more aware of your shepherding in our lives. Church, as you just stand, let me invite you to enter into just some reflection and prayer. Perhaps some of you don't know the Lord yet. Perhaps you have not met your shepherd yet. And I wanna just invite you to say, Lord, I wanna know you. I wanna know the voice of the good shepherd. I wanna be able to say the Lord is my shepherd because there are, there are bad shepherds. Sometimes we can let money be a shepherd. We can let selfish ambition be a shepherd. We can let popularity be a shepherd. We can even let political correctness be a shepherd. There's a lot of shepherds out there that are bad and they're false and they have promises that don't work. So maybe you just need to say, I wanna, I wanna forget all these other voices. I wanna forget these bad shepherds. And I wanna be able to say the Lord, Yahweh is my shepherd. For others of you, I just want you to reflect and remember the first time you met your shepherd. Think back on the evidence of his shepherding in your life. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Lastly, I wanna encourage all of you to ask this, what is the voice of my shepherd saying to me right now? As we respond in our hearts, let's just sing this song. Let's lift our voices and let's remember that the shepherd is our champion. Before I pray the benediction reminder check out the summer community groups. If you wanna be in the pilot Bible college class, talk to Brad out there or talk to me. Let me pray this over us when we dismiss. May the God of peace who brought up from the dead, Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever, amen. Love you guys.